Welcome to another special topic episode of the Olefins Weekly Wrap-Up, a podcast by IHS Market. Today is Thursday, December 17th. I'm Erin Roberts. Our special topic episode today will follow a similar format to the last one. I'll be interviewing two people on a topic relevant to the Olefins markets, where we'll do a deeper dive into specifics as we discuss a couple of questions on the topic. Enjoy! Today, I'm joined by Joelle Morales, Executive Director of America's Polymers, and Carlo Barasa, Executive Director of North America Light Olefins, and we're talking about the recent spike in propylene and polypropylene prices this month. Welcome back, Carlo. Glad to be back. And welcome, Joelle. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. Okay, so as many of you know, Carlo leads our North America Light Olefin service, but Joelle, can you share a little bit more about your background and what you do for IHS Market? Sure. So I'm the service leader for our Global Plastics and Polymers Service Report, going close to eight years working for IHS Market. Originally worked for Solve Polymers back in the late 90s, which today is INEOS. Had a stint in resin distribution there for a while and five years in purchasing with a company called Silgan Plastics, all throughout the supply chain, which has really helped me in my current role in the last eight years. Awesome. So we're going to go ahead and get started with you, Carlo. Can you tell us why propylene and polypropylene prices are going so crazy right now? Well, I'll leave the polypropylene stuff for Joel. So I'll tell you about propylene. And it's helpful if we go back to the beginning of the year and, and just kind of do the year in review. So we started the year with a tremendous amount of propylene inventory. Uh, so we had this huge o- inventory overhang, then COVID hit. Uh, refining uh, went into the toilet. Gasoline demand just fell off a cliff. And so refineries cut back rates. Um, as many of our listeners may or may not know, uh, we get about 55% of our propylene uh, in the U.S. from refining. So whenever refining, uh, the refining industry has a hiccup, it does affect us uh, tremendously. So FCC operating rates, the FCC, which actually produces not only gasoline uh, uh, blend stock, but also propylene, FCC operating rates uh, were down to 60-ish percent. There was a lot of idling going on in the industry, uh, a lot of uh, uh, reduced rates. And so that really wreaked havoc on the propylene supply chain, which was okay because we had this huge uh, inventory buffer uh, to prevent us from seeing these huge pri- uh, price spikes. Uh, but over time, what ended up happening, and especially it got worse in the third quarter, inventories were drawn down to a critically low level. Now, there's a variety of reasons for that. We, we had... Uh, uh, a couple of PDHs offline for a month, month and a half, two months. Uh, we had a number of large crackers that are responsible for a fair amount of propylene production. They were offline for, for a bit. So it, it drew down inventories to the point where it was uh, the largest inventory withdrawal that we saw in the third quarter, the largest that we've ever seen in the recorded history. So that's where we were at at the end of the third quarter. Now, fast forward to today, the supply-demand balance is at a very delicate place. Any sort of hiccup that we have on uh, the production units, be it a large FCC or a PDH unit or even a steam cracker, 
tends to exaggerate any of the price movements. And so we've, we were in an environment at the beginning of the month here where things were operating okay. And then all of a sudden we had a hiccup at the enterprise PDH. Uh, you have a number of buyers in, in the, uh, in the market that were willing to pay uh, whatever it took to get some propylene supply. Mm-hmm. And when we were looking at the, the bid ask spread, it was pretty wide at the beginning of the month. It has since tightened, but the bid just kept moving up and it kept getting taken out because uh, people that have propylene supply right now, they're holding on to it uh, very, uh, very tightly. And so it's going to take these high prices to pry that supply out. We just have a number of, uh, we're just going to continue to see this uh, over the next year or so, just simply because uh, just the supply is not there. Refining's not recovered yet, and we'll talk about that later. Um, PDH, we'll, we're going to continue to see some PDH outages, especially in the first quarter. But that that pretty much tells you what's on the propylene side. I'll kick it over to Joel um, so he can talk a little bit more about what's happening on the polypro side. Thanks, Carlos. So you know polypropylene has a close eye on propylene monomer all the time is typically a lot of the market for PP price tends to often just follow propylene. However, we've seen some interesting dynamics on the supply and demand side here the second half of the year, particularly here in the in the fourth quarter. We're seeing in North America record demand expected in, uh, in the fourth quarter. The month of October was the biggest production month in 13 years, but it was also the biggest total sales month in 13 years. So resulting in record inventory levels that we've never seen below before, below 28 days. We got the November data here recently and inventory is still below 27 days. I'm sorry, 28 days, but it's not just North America. Polypropylene has shown tremendous resiliency here around the world, particularly led by, by mainland China. So our expectation, we always had China growing this year, but we think China now is going to grow somewhere close to 12%. So you think about the world's biggest market growing at the fastest rate, it's actually doing better post-COVID than our pre-COVID view. And that's really helped um, get rid of any excess in any region around the world all year. So many people ask us about this potential for the margin increase in December. They've already seen... uh, six cents in the last few months. And frankly, yes, there's a big expectation for a potential propylene price spike in December, but there's no resin. You've got three resin suppliers on force majeure and demand is stronger than supply. Yes, you may push the arbitrage with Asia where the price gets too high, but uh, currently our view is that producers are likely to get a margin increase right now. So is that including, Joel, is that including the uh, on the force majeures you were talking about, does that include Total that just recently had a fire here at their facility? So far, no. That's not even including a potential extended outage. There was a, a report that there was a fire um, yesterday on uh, on an impact copolymer line, which is one of the larger lines in, in North America. An impact copolymer is arguably the tightest material already. And again, uh, you had Formosa Plastics, Ineos, Polymers and Lyondell Bazell all in force majeure uh, events. Some of them still trying to catch up from the late August uh, and early September, excuse me, early October hurricanes, the two hurricanes that hit the region. Uh, 
And so this is likely, if it is an extended outage, will only make the market even tighter. So again, just gives more uh, strength to the, to the near-term forecast when it comes to pushing PP margin to, to levels that we haven't seen in a, in a number of years. And again, this goes completely against the expectation coming into the year when we were expecting quite a bit of length around the world in polypropylene supply versus demand. But if you talk to us, you, you've heard the story of when the pandemic hit, PP producers around the world feared for the worse and they cut their rates and they got rid of their inventories because they didn't want to be sitting on, on working capital and expecting really bad demand. But as it turned out, demand, it was much better than they, th they thought. And they've been playing catch up this whole time. And we, again, you throw in a hurricane that wasn't expected in, in North America, but PP producers have been chasing demand with their production all year long, despite a lot of nameplate capacity. And it's led to very strong markets. And, you know, maybe Carlo, come back to you and you can describe some of the dynamics that were a bit surprising in the Middle East, the world's largest PP export that really hasn't been producing that well this year. Yeah, so on the Middle East, they're a major supplier of oil products, right? Not only oil products, but also crude oil. Um, so when they've joined the rest of OPEC uh, to cut rates, uh, or at least cut production, that's directly impacted the amount of feedstock that's available for uh, for petrochemical units. So it's it's not only crude oil that's affected, but it's crude oil into the refineries, right? Because they're not producing as much crude oil. It's also natural gas liquids produced that are produced from uh, the crude oil production. So all of those are feedstocks into the petrochemical units. So they have not run as, uh, as reliably as what we would have expected them to pre-COVID. So that's also had an influence within the uh, the global markets, and it's really catalyzed this whole dynamic of tight supply in not only in Asia but also in the U.S. Asia Asia's also had some issues with uh, with unexpected outages at some of their PDH units, uh, longer than expected uh, commissioning on on some of their crackers and new PDH units, but. Uh, they're they're starting to uh, get those new units coming back on uh, or getting on stream, uh, which should help the situation there. But nevertheless, it, we still have an issue um, here in the U.S. because uh, a large portion of our supply does come from refining. And one of the things that we noticed uh, here in the most recent EIA report, it's been five straight weeks of gasoline inventory surpluses or inventory builds, uh, so to speak. And and that that's not a very good position to be in. Uh, we were hoping that gasoline demand would continue to improve uh, post-summer, but once the summer gasoline season, the driving season was over, we've seen about a million barrels a day of supply, of, uh, gasoline demand loss since August, all in, a, in an environment where refineries have continued to run, uh, continue to improve their operations. I mean, they're now close to 80% uh, refining utilization uh, and also on the FCC side, very similar. Uh, but I think the issue is that if we don't see gasoline demand improve from these, uh, these levels, it's going to have a negative impact on propylene supply. And our refining folks are, are getting less constructive on 
improving rates in the first half of uh, of 2021. Yes, uh, we do have a vaccine, and yes, that vaccine will be disseminated throughout the first half of 2021. But our refining guys aren't showing uh, meaningful increases in FCC operating rates until the second quarter. And in fact, by the third quarter is when we expect to see RG or refinery grade propylene getting back to normal levels, what I would call pre COVID, pre pre COVID levels, which is before 2019. It's really in 2018 is kind of a, a better proxy for a normal year of RG production. Since in 2019, we had a, a large amount of, of FCC uh, units offline uh, for turnaround. So yeah, I, I kind of went on a long-winded uh, discussion there, Joel. But yes, um, it is uh, it is interesting what has happened in the global environment. Now, with the price of North America expected to reach historic highs as compared to Asia, do you see a wave of imports in the near future? Well, that's a great question, Aaron. So this is a bit different. We We've seen peaks in the past, and since I'd say since 2015, we've seen waves of times where the North American price gets so high. And if you go, if you, and imports increase, but if you take a step back, remember back in 2015, there was a thinking that North American converters, they didn't like dealing with 25 kg bags or super sacks. And so they wouldn't import product, even though they could save a lot of money. And history has shown that was incorrect. If you can save money, you'll spend $150,000 on a piece of equipment that can handle 25 kg bags and turn it into bulk and, and, and be able to use it in your facility. And once those investments were made and they were, well, those pieces of equipment are sitting at converters plants ready to go as needed. So since 2015, in times where the arbitrage, the difference between the North American PP price and the CFR China price starts to get past 15 into the 20 cent per pound range, and stays there, then people will bring in some material and deal with the hassle of different terms and lead times and having to pay cash in advance. And you could order something today that takes maybe 90 plus days to get here as opposed to buying domestically, which is typically you get it. If they have it on hand, you can get it within two weeks. Or uh, So there, there are some differences, but what we're seeing this time is it's not so simple. So the price is expected to spike here in December. The arbitrage between North America will go over 20 cents a pound. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we probably may touch a historic high in the first quarter near 30 cents a pound. But what's different this time is the global market has been relatively balanced to tight and the availability of surplus polypropylene is not what it has been in the past. And the cost to bring product from Asia to the Americas, whether it's North or South America, has spiked. You've most businesses have been dealing with this shortage of containers or they're in the wrong places. And long story short, some rates, which used to be $70 a ton, so a little bit over three cents a pound, have now jumped to $300 a ton, oh, wow. which is, you know, that's close to uh, 13 and a half cents. So 13 and a half cents. Minus, so they've gone up almost 10 cents a pound in freight. So you almost have to think of it as before you thought that gap between regions might have been 15 or 20 cents, you almost have to add 10 cents on that now because of the increase in freight. So our okay. thinking is, will PP import, will converters import some because of this spike? Yes, 
but not to the extent that we've seen in previous periods because of this long lead time and, uh, and higher increase in, in freight costs. So instead of hitting months of 150, 160 million pounds of imports, you know, we think we might see a few at 100, but most converters, since there's been investment in new PP capacity, they prefer to buy domestically if they can be competitive and it's available. And, and our feeling is that, uh, again, you'll see, you'll see a bit of an increase in imports, but not the waves that we'd seen in the past, but very good question. Okay. Well, moving things back to Carlo, from a propylene side, how long do you expect all of this to last? Aaron, you're a, you're on point right, right now because you're asking a lot of good questions. So from a propylene standpoint, I've already talked a, a, a lot about the refining piece, and that's really going to carry over into the first half of this year. Uh, the other piece that I haven't talked a lot about is uh, turnarounds, um, especially on uh, the on-purpose units. We have one notable turnaround that's coming in mid-February. That would be the Enterprise uh, PDH. Uh, coincidentally, that's the one that's been causing a lot of uh, havoc in the Martin market lately. And it's really not because of them. It's just because of the tight supply demand balance. Uh, you you have one unit that goes offline the uh, the rest of the market goes bananas but that unit will come down mid uh, mid february should be back up by the end of um, the end of march but throughout that first quarter and even into the second quarter refinery rates are are, are still going to struggle to get back to normal probably 75 to 80% of what was normal that's mm -hmm. what's current in our, in our balance the the other thing that is really subtle is this gasoline spec change Right. It's it was more of a simplification of the gasoline specs. So instead of having to meet eleven different specs, they can they only need to meet three. The primary one being uh, vapor pressure. Uh, so if we look look at it on a summer blending basis, uh, instead of having to to meet nine pounds, they have to meet seven point four pounds of vapor pressure. And, and so there's a question of what uh, what refiners would do to try to meet that spec. Uh, would they run their FCCs at low severity to produce as much gasoline blend stock as possible? That would reduce the amount of propylene that would be produced off the FCCs, compounding the situation that we, we see currently. Uh, but on the flip side, you may also see a lot more naphtha blending uh, into the gasoline pool, and that would actually free up uh, uh, some propylene from alkalate. So people may may look at, or refiners may look at naphtha blending versus alkalate blending, and they'll choose the cheaper route, which would be naphtha blending, thereby slacking alkalate and making more propylene available. So the net effect would be maybe slightly propylene positive uh, on on that spec change. So, so that's a dynamic that'll happen here in the first quarter, for first half. And so taking all of that into account, we don't see the situation improving until the second half of the year. Uh, consequently, when you look at our forecast, we have a pretty high spike in the first quarter, sort of moderating into the second quarter and then moderating even further in the second half of the year, as that'll be the prime opportunity to build, build back inventories. And then that sets us up for uh, what I would call a quote unquote normal uh, market uh, by the end of, of 2021. So yes, it's it, it's going to take a while. 
Okay. So Joelle, would you say that PP follows that same timeline that Carla just illustrated? So PP obviously has a big correlation with, with propylene monomer. You know, one of the interesting things about the PP market right now is there's been a lot of capacity that's been added via the bottleneck and of course Braschem's new plant, a billion pound plant that came up in, in September. But without competitively priced propylene, the market's a bit limited on how much PP it can produce. So if propylene is out of line with international prices, then it really makes it difficult to take that propylene and make polypropylene beyond the domestic market's needs and export it because you're just not competitive. Mm -hmm. So high propylene prices in the first quarter almost act as a limit on how much PP producers will produce. Be, they're not going to produce much beyond the domestic market because what are you going to do with it? You're not competitive with the global market. So our, our view is, you know, there's been a fair amount of margin put in here and is expected to go in here on the order of 11 cents of margin gain in 2021. And our view is they're going to hold almost all of that through the first quarter. And then when we start to see lower uh, propylene prices, and they can run harder on the PP side, we'll start to see more competition. So it, it really is a tale of, can you get out of the first quarter and can PP producers run harder with more available propylene? Then there should be more PP than there is demand in the marketplace. And then we'll see a, a bit of a correction. But right now, the, the margins that the industry is, is enjoying in the fourth quarter are, are definitely a surprise to us. And I would say many in the marketplace, and if I take a step back, if history looks, COVID, the PP producers around the world in North America have benefited from the impact of COVID and what it's done to the production around the world while demand has been better than expected. But to answer your specific question, uh, yes, uh, things should get better as we get out of the first quarter. Yeah, but there's no sugarcoating yet. The first quarter is going to be bad. Uh, I mean, it's uh, we, we have forecasted pretty high prices in the first quarter. It, it's just and we're releasing our inventory report today, Joel, but we don't we don't show any meaningful growth in inventories. In fact, we're showing propylene inventories declining in in the first quarter. So it, it's just going to be uh, really tough. If you're on the buying side, it's going to be really, really tough. And that would explain quarter. some of the sentiments in the negotiations in the industry for PP as they go into 2021. They're the exact opposite of what they were a year ago when the global markets were destocking, prices were falling, and uh, there was clearly more supply than there was demand. We're, we're exactly on the other side of the pendulum here going into next year. So that, that that's an interesting comment, Carlo, that, that those two align with what you just said with the yep. behavior in the marketplace. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting times in the propylene world. We won't even talk about ethylene. That's a, that's a whole nother, whole nother uh, can of worms there. With that, I think it's about time to wrap things up. Thank you, Carla, for coming back. And thank you, Joelle, for joining us. Pleasure. Look forward to doing it again. Thank you so much. Yep. Yep. Let's do it again sometime. It's that time of year again. Registration is now open for the 2021 World Petrochemical Conference. Join us virtually March 8th through 12th for an array of live sessions and top deck interviews with experts in major petrochemical and specialty chemical families. 
online workshops where you can stay up to date on the impact of the latest industry issues and trends start March 1st. A link to register for WPC can be found in the episode notes on all podcast platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play, and give us a like or leave a review if you enjoy it. And if you have any follow-up questions about this topic or want us to cover something else for our next special topic episode, you can send an email to me at erin.roberts at ihsmarket.com. Until next time, 